Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Fairly alarmed here. <laughs> Welcome to Masters of the Nerdiverse Reviews. This is also known as M. OTN reviews where we look at some of the brightest films in the nerdiverse and some that are not so brightly lit. I'm of course your host Mike G where you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Alexa and also the city of Atlantis but you may need a boat to get there. Uh, I'm definitely excited for this second episode of this series going over some films that you may have seen, some films you may have not seen, and some ones that may have just come out. It really just depends on the fancy of me and my guest. Uh, speaking of guests, I would like to introduce um, this episode's uh, guest, who is actually someone I know quite well, <laughs> I would say. Someone I know quite extremely well. Um, he's known as um, my father. He's also known as the Mike Prime, as it were. So if I have any other primes, they'll be descendants descendants of his prime, Mike. Um, Mike G. Sr. How's it going? Hey, hey, how's things going? I'm so happy to be a part of this Nerdverse podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Glad to have you on, you know. Thank as, you. As part of the founders of the universe. Like, if there was the uh, source wall, like <laughs> in the new Genesis, you would be part of the source wall. <laughs> Keeping the universe, keeping the nerdiverse together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Like <laughs> when uh, when uh, Darkseid and Orion are are battling the cosmos, they slam against you. You push them away. They're not ready for that level of enlightenment. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, geez. So definitely want to talk about the movie we're going to be reviewing today, which is 1987's film directed by Paul Verhoeven, RoboCop. Man, RoboCop indeed. Oh, this movie. <laughs> this movie has such a, a formative spot in my in my upbringing. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I wouldn't be the, the man I am today without it. Uh, Mike, uh, what is your, uh, I would say, experience with this film? What's the? How did you first hear about it? Well, um, they had, you know, back in 1987, you were just a little fella. And they had tons of trailers for this movie. I mean, it was really, really hype. So me and my brother, Greggy, we went the first day to see it with a big audience. I'm not sure where we saw that, but it was a big theater. And every, it was one of those kind of movies where everybody went ooh and ah. Mm. And the violence were over, was over the top. And I walked out of there and was like, wow, this was a very violent movie. But it was very, very good. But I still really, really got to love it. Not from the, my movie experience, but just watching it over the years. And the more you watch it, the more you see of it. And actually, the funnier the movie gets. We're going to get into 
comedy aspect of it doing this podcast, but the movie is hilarious. Absolutely. This movie is kind of like a fine wine, isn't it? It's like the the more the years pass, the more it becomes relevant. And also, as it is not intended to be a comedy, the funnier the scenes get, the impact of the scenes get just so much funnier. And it's one of those things where I'm hanging out with friends and we're watching something like Hellraiser and I'm cracking up through the whole movie and they can't understand why because this is how we react to horror in, yeah. in the Mike G family. You know, yeah, it's just some of them are just so silly that it's just hilarious. Oh man, definitely. Well, I guess I can talk about my experience with this movie. I was raised on RoboCop. It's one of those things that were just on in the house back when there were VHS tapes. Yes, we are dinosaur, but that's okay. Uh, back in the day, it would, it never really came on TV. I don't remember it ever being like on Cinemax or Showtime. We had to buy the movie, but then again, we had a tape of it of it taped so i guess at some point it was on one of the cable channels back then but i just rem always remember it watching it on vhs tape with a with two other films that were actually wo woven into the tapestry that is mike g jr uh and this movie has always been that one cornerstone that if i'm feeling bad or if i'm feeling sick or i just need a good laugh or i just need to be inspired robocop has always been there to uh bail me out as it were, and to actually help me focus and get and laugh at life, because it's just one of the, my favorite movies of all time. Uh, yeah, so I definitely wanted to kind of just start rolling into this film, and Mike, definitely feel free to chime in because I know I can just keep talking forever. You know? <laughs> yes, you, yes, you, yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> definitely. So let's get to the meat and potatoes of this movie. Uh, it okay. opens up. And that theme song, man, just slaps you right in the face. You know, it's just such a good theme song. It's actually one of my top five orchestral scores based the film up now, there. Do you, do, you, do you know who did the, the score for this movie? Was it Goldsmith? Was it... I, uh, I, I think I it was really don't, hmm? I don't... I really don't know. I was hoping you knew that. I want to say... Know. Hmm. I don't know. I think it was either um, Jerry Goldsmith or Ivan Celestri, uh, Alvin Celestri, the guy who did the Predator theme. Right, right. You know, it sounds mean? like it sounds like um, it could be one of those two, two guys. You have to look it up and make sure we watch the movie. But the, like you said, the score makes was it makes really makes the movie. And I I'm just, glad. You know, we talked about this before, um, but I'm glad that they put that music in the newer version of the movie too. Yeah, in the remake. I mean, how yeah. do you not include this kind, a, a score of this magnitude in anything going forward? It's like taking out the uh, take out the score to Back to the Future or taking out the score to uh, Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. It's just like the most epic thing in the world. You don't yeah. you don't dump that. You improve upon no. it. You edit it. You you remix it, as it were. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's one of the cooler things about this movie is that this score, and the cool thing is, is that throughout the movie, I just noticed this after rewatching it, is that they do different versions of the score, you know, throughout yeah. the entire movie. Sometimes it's a bit hard hitting for the summer uh -huh. moments. It's, it's very subdued and like the lighter notes come in and during the triumphant moments, it goes right back to the original score, which I right. always love that when movies do that, when it's kind of like the the music is a character all in its own. That's you know right. I mean? 
it's really cool. It's really cool. So, of course, during the rolling shot of Detroit, you get slapped with that RoboCop. Like, just no illusions to what kind of movie this is going to be. It just slaps you with that logo right there in your face. And it's actually just super epic, and I love it. I yeah, love the movie just the movie just comes on. No credits. You don't know who's in it yet. It just comes on. <laughs> right. There's no directed by or none of that. that. It's just, this is it, right? Just slaps you right in the face. This is welcome to RoboCop. 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 And it establishes its world right off the bat with these strange news videos, this news break. You give us three minutes, we give you the world, right? And, you know, it goes into like war and then it has this weird change to commercialism where it's showing you like new products and the 2000 XUX, SUX, the super coolest car. Yeah, it's like if I could own that in real life, it would super go down and sell everything for that. It's 2000 SUX, which is funny is that was an inside joke about, I think, the IROC or something like that, that the director put because yeah. he, he hated the the way that new 80s cars were looking. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the 2000s suck. It's pretty much what it's supposed to be. <laughs> right, right. It's so cool. It's like this little Easter egg that Paul Verhoeven just was like, I hate everything about this world. So all my movies are going to circle around how bad it is. And like it's um it's not post apocalyptic, but it's like that one step before. Right before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right like before. the world is just about to end on all peripheries of this movie. Uh famine, uh, p- uh privatized police, uh 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 I would say kinda like how things are now, but I digress. Um so the movie ro- rolls in with these crazy commercials. Uh, which are very similar to to nowadays and kind of like how things balance out now. And then we go into how Detroit is just the worst. Like, I don't understand why the city of Detroit is so bad. <laughs> like, It's funny because when I was a kid, I wanted to go to Michigan uh, University uh, mm. really, really bad. I wanted to go really bad. And I actually had a buddy who went out there before me. He was a senior. I was like a, a sophomore or something. And he told me, like, Mike, don't do it. He's like, he's like, there's nothing in Michigan for you, man, as a Californian. Nothing against Michigan, you know. Mm. Ann Arbor's beautiful. Uh, the Lake Michigan is awesome. It's just, it's just, it's such a stark tra- contrast. And, you know, all that's going on with Flint, and that's kind of tied into Michigan, yeah. into Detroit. Yeah. So even back then, they painted Detroit as this kind of uh dystopian uh suburban setting and it just sets a whole mood to the movie you know what i mean yes yeah definitely definitely so we roll on to actually get introduced into um alex murphy is actually our hero of the film and my first question to you mike is why did he transfer they never they never say i think because of all the um killings that was going on with police officers and and OCP was doing they, they even say in the movie that OCP was doing a lot of shuffling around taking um, people here and there so I guess that precinct was hurting for, for for personnel so they sent Alex Murphy there yeah he, he, you know everybody was super hyped for him to be there just like welcome to hell you know right. <laughs> he's, like, he's like where are you from he's like oh the north side he's like yeah welcome yeah. to hell you know and of course it opens with uh, just the setting of the police station, which is, I don't know why in movies, police stations are always like a source of havoc. 
all types of stuff is going on. You know what I mean? People are getting busted. There's a fight breaking out in the corner. There's like <laughs> it happens in this movie. It happens. It happens directly in this break. movie. Every time you see the every time you see the police precinct, someone's getting cussed out, or someone's drunk and belligerent, or Hello. like. And then you know, my one of my favorite parts is where the where the police captain just hems this guy up. He's like, "You're a scumbag. Your client's a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> the scumbags have to wait till tomorrow morning." And he just throws him out. I don't know. Yeah. That could have been like his uh pro- his uh a public defender or something like that. <laughs> so nuts. And you know, we go into the movie and it it gives you it's almost like a tracking shot. It's like one shot from the locker from the opening of the uh from the from the opening of the uh shot to all the way to the locker room right you know I mean? and uh how do you you know what do you think about the actual opening of this movie you think that it was it was a good tone setter or do you yeah. think it could have been better no no i think it was perfect because right there from the beginning you already know what kind of world um uh our uh, hero is going to get into you already see that the uh the, the city had problems you already see just from the beginning that that the um the cops and the um and the uh, people that they protect they they just go all in at the beginning and then then he meets his partner she walks in there and the first thing that happens is she <laughs> you already laughing but she, she already um, is fucking up one of the, fucking up her suspect excuse my language is messing up her, her suspect and the and the sergeant says um Lewis after you finish fucking up your suspect. <laughs> Actually, Mike, don't don't worry about cussing because this movie you kind of have to cuss. So this is you gonna be explicit it, no matter what, right? right? You got it. So first, first of all, like in the middle of the police station, a suspect gets loose and just starts fighting people, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is nuts by itself. And uh-huh. then secondly, you get introduced by Lewis by doing like a spinning bird kick on this dude <laughs> and just beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And <laughs> in the uh, the the captain's like, hey Lewis, uh, come <laughs> come meet your new partner after you're done fucking around with your suspect. <laughs> and it's just so casual. It's like this happens yeah. every day. Every day, every right? day. So you know he goes and another cool part is he goes to the back where it's just random nudity, just men and women getting dressed in the same locker room. It's a Paul seems to be a Paul Verhoeven thing, which is this mm-hmm. uh, this unisex universe we live in now. And the cops are just seem so salty about being cops in Detroit. They're just like, this one guy yeah. just got killed. You know, one of the guys is like, we should just strike. Fuck him. <laughs> right. Was, yeah, they were talking about the strike, and he just went all. He just went all in about it. And what did the um, what did the sergeant say when he walked in there? He said, "We are police officers. <laughs> we do not go on strike. Please uh, donate to." Uh, Officer so and so's, you know, family fun. It was Officer Fredrickson. Officer Fredrickson, exactly. Right. They were taking, were taking his name tag off the locker. Yeah. Oh, I noticed man. that part because they it was a it was a close shot of Officer right. Fredrickson's name and it's just chick 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 chick. <laughs> like, it's so cold. Like oh, they wanted you to know this guy I, died. Yeah, he died. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. So. But, it's cool because I like that Lewis, his partner, is not a damsel in distress. You know what I mean? 
she's not a she's not a heroine. She's a equal to him, at least when he's before he becomes RoboCop, and she's not like. Oh, she needs to be saved. You know what I mean? Even in even in the shots where she's in peril, yeah. she you know it's because she messed up. It's not because oh she's because she's a girl or something. And that's and, a that's a theme in Paul V. Holman movies because it was the same thing in um in Starship Troopers where the, the cadets were even. I mean, uh, if in that movie, uh, the the sergeant broke off. The female cadet, remember that? Yeah, and, he like busted her nose the, or something. Yeah, you know he choked her out. Yeah, he choked her out. And, and they was in the in the same type of thing. They was in the locker room, in the shower, showering together as equals. They didn't right. have no problems with female and male um, separateness like we like we have today. Yeah, it went, it went kind of too far because she was about to die. But yeah, it was yeah, like a yeah, training simulation. Like, yes, that's right. That's right. But <laughs> she challenged. He challenged. He challenged them. Yeah, and he went in he went all in on her. Yeah, she should have challenged and, the sensei, man. You never do that. Right, and the same thing about about Lewis. She didn't challenge anybody, but her her sense of duty, her sense of of, of equalness is just like she's just like one of the boys. Yeah, she was just one of the boys, man. She was kicking ass and taking names, and yeah. Paul Verhoeven has a strong, uh, always has strong female characters in his films, which you can yes, which you can definitely appreciate. So. We get we finally get introduced to Omnicorp uh what is it? Omnicorp uh OCP. Uh, OCP. I forget the P in OCP it was Omnicorp something, uh protocols or something like that. Which is the which is top five worst company movie companies of all time. You know what I mean? It's gotta, Just, it's gotta be top two. We, umbrella and then OCP. OCP is pretty rough, man. It's like <laughs> Oh man, it's like don't be a board member or anything within OCP. They'll screw you over. And it's like it's a it's a constant theme. And even all the future Rebel Cops, they never stop being dirtbags. Yeah, you know they mean? are. It's kind of the worst. And then we come, and after we get introduced to OCP, we get one of the best introductions in film history. Welcome the two the Ed two oh nine. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You're skipping a part now. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you skipping where? Um, um, Lewis and Murphy's first day out. That happens before the before the boardroom. He gets he gets shot up before the boardroom scene. Yes, yes, he does. Oh, okay. Why did I have that after then? Yeah. No, yeah, you get shot before. before. The... Hmm. I thought he got. I got. I thought that was after um, the introduction of Clarence Bodiger. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Clarence Bodiger. Yeah. No, you no, Clarence Bodiger happens first. That happens first. He gets shot up and dead. Yeah. Okay. Because I had I had it the other way. I had a, and because I was watching this scene for scene as I was making my notes. That's weird. I must have got that mixed up. But um. So there was the introduction to the OCP, and then you're saying that after they introduced OCP, then it went back to Murphy and Lewis on their first day out to hunt down Clarence Bodiger. Yeah. Well, they they didn't. They didn't know who they were hunting down. They they went out and, and they had a, a call at that 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 same factory. They had got a call and mm-hmm. then they was chasing them in the van and tell them what happened in the van. Oh yeah, right. Because okay, because they were sitting out like sh- like shooting the you know shooting the breeze, and Lewis was uh, doing his uh, sp- his uh, TJ laser uh, spinning, <laughs> and, and Lewis was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, my co- my kid loves his cop show, so to impress him, I'm, I do I know I, I learned how to do this trick." And then they got the call 
for mm-hmm. the uh, for the uh, I think what was that? Was it a bank heist? Do they ever say? No, they just they just got a call that was uh, something was going on and they had to roll on it. And that's when that's when um, he he that's when I think she yeah she drove yeah she, she drove. drove she drove and they was and then they saw the van and they got behind it and then you could take it from there. What happens next? I'm sorry, I have to take a second. Why would they have him go after armed vigilantes on his first day out? Okay, I don't think that they, they didn't know what kind of call they was going on. They saw this, this van, and then they start chasing it. I mean, but they police didn't, have, like, call? I mean, there's 187s, there's, right. you know. Right, they, like, they just got a, yeah, they didn't even get that. They got a call. Because remember, I'm, I'm going, skipping just a little bit. When they when the van stopped at that place, they wanted backup, but the but they was with the other police were too busy, and he, he throws the mic on, on the dash. Oh, oh, damn! <laughs> you're right. You're but, right. You're right. <laughs> before that, they 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 um they chase the van. And right. What, what happens? Yeah, they chase the, They're definitely chasing the van, and uh, you know, we get the first introduction to Clarence Bodiger and his and his. He, he might as well be a pirate. You know, this guy. <laughs> Clarence Bodiger is one of my favorite movie villains of all time. Just because he's so irredeemable, so I guess yeah. they must have robbed a bank or a trust mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And somehow in the Donnybrook, one of his goons burns all the money they they <laughs> they stole, and Clarence Bodiger is having a full freak out. He's like, you know, you burned the fucking money. He's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> so, and they they look out their mirror view mirror, and you see Murphy and Lewis in tow chasing the car. And right. so they're trying to figure out a diversion to stop the car, <laughs> to stop the police car. So they kick open the back, the back door of the, uh, of the van and just start shooting at him. And so they're doing evasive maneuvers, getting around the van and they run out of bullets, I guess, or something like that. So, uh, Clarence Bodiger walks up to the goon who made the mistake and just whispers in his ear, can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> well, just, Bobby, well, Bobby got shot. Bobby got shot by He got one shot of in the leg, right? He got yeah, shot he in the got leg. Shot. Right? Well, he was so good. He was no good to Clarence Bonner. And he the looked moment. at him and like, pick him up. Pick him up. Uh, yeah, pick him up. Pick him up. <laughs> pick him up. <laughs> and and, and, he, him up. and he, throws, he, he throws him out of the van on the onto the police car. And they're swerving. They 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 showed no mercy. They kicked yeah. the dude off and kept and he, chasing the van. They didn't even call it in. They just kept pushing. So that dude is off in a corner somewhere. Probably died. Probably died. Yeah, man. So <laughs> so that's like one of my one of the best parts of the movie. This movie has so many good parts. Uh, and uh so they fi- they uh, follow them to the oil refinery where you where you jumped in and they were like, Yeah, man, they tried to call for backup because this is above right. their head, but backup wasn't coming. So Murphy just threw his head his earpiece on the dash and was like, Let's do it. <laughs> Whatever, right? And right. for some, and honestly, Lewis should have stopped him. Lewis should have been like, "There's no way we're going in there." She was right. the superior. She was the outranking officer. There's no reason why they should have entered that building, but they did. So it it slows the movie down a bit, and they go looking for the uh, for the perpetrators. And Lewis comes up, come, comes across Huey, which is the African American guy with the super high pitched Joker voice. And he's like just taking the piss off like the side of a. Of like, of like a of a he's drop. Just pissing he, off the side. Yeah, he's just whistling, pissing off the side, and he's alerted by the pop of her bubble gum. And he turns around. He just has like his stuff hanging out. 
He's like, would you mind zipping this up? <laughs> the second she looks down, he gets drop on her. And right. she seems to fall to her death. You know, she just falls like into nothing. And he just goes, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. You know, you know, and she's out of effect. So she's out of the, uh, she's out of the equation for now. And somehow Clarence Boddicker gets to drop on Murphy. And begins no, what? Not, not, not him. He, he goes in there and the, and the little guy, he gets to drop on them first. Him and the guy whose name is Nass. That's his name. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Murphy shoots. No, not, not Nass. He, he shoots one of the guys, and the other one just gives up because he tells Murphy, says, that are alive. They're coming, coming with, with me. me. Right. Right, right, right. And, and then, then somebody... that's, hmm? that's when they come. And he says, um, not now, amigo, or something like that. And then um, then uh, the little guy says, you're a mine. And Clarence Brodicker says, not, 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 not yet, he ain't. <laughs> yeah. Not yet, he ain't. <laughs> not yet, he ain't. Are you a good cop? Hot shot. <laughs> you must be a great cop. <laughs> Coming in all like by yourself. <laughs> you must be some kind of great cop. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your partner? Where's your partner? partner? And then with the, the, the African-American says, I took her out. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it's like, somebody's downstairs. She was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I took her out because my that must piss you off. That must really Guess piss what? you off, right? Cops don't like me, and, and I don't, I like, don't cops. like cops. He was like, "What do you think?" He was like, "Buddy, I think you're slime." <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man! The, the, man, the writing in this movie is—I don't know if it's ad libbed. I don't. It's just so perfect. I don't. I can't with this movie, man. It's just too good. Because Murphy came right up. I think you're slime. Buddy, I think you're slime. And then it starts cracking they up. Start they start laughing. Oh, geez. So they 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 put Murphy on his knees, right? And we get the i. I don't want to call it iconic because it's so crazy and violent. You get the decimation of Alex Murphy, where these dudes. But first. He put his hand on the ground, and one of the guys has, like, what is it, a double-barrel shotgun? Yeah, Clarence Bonica did that. Yeah, he has a double-barrel shotgun, uh, close range on a human hand, and when he shoots it, it's the most graphic explosion of a human hand I've ever seen on film, like, to this day. It's just yeah. stuck. Even now, I'm, like, imagining it. And it's like, that would pretty much really happen if you just put, like, a double-barrel yeah, shotgun. Yeah, you put a gun, right? Yeah, they exploded. And what did Clarence Bonica say? Yeah, just give the man a hand. <laughs> and... And and what's crazy is is that Murphy didn't even scream. He was just so much no, shock. Yeah. He was just staring at his at his stub. And then he goes, "He's all yours." Right? <laughs> they, just start, they just start unloading with everything, with pistols, everything. with rifles, with shotguns. Even one of them even said, "I'm out of ammo." I'm out of ammo. <laughs> They're blowing through his armor, and of course, uh, Clarence Boddicker gives him the kiss of death. <laughs> The, the shot straight to the dome, and it's and it oh. and they're just done. And you and can see the bullet just pierce his head, and just half his head came off. It's nuts, man. It's like, could they film that like that nowadays? I mean, oh. man, like what they would do, they would, it would, none of it would be practical. It will all be digital effect, and it would be garbage. You know what I mean? You got to respect back then. That was all done in practical effects. You yeah. know what I mean? With squibs and in like body cast, it's just the movie is so well done. I don't even know who the effects team on that movie was, but it I don't was, know. We, it was it was excellent, excellent because it, it still excellent. stands up today. 
that's you the see sign that, of a good you go, movie. You go, oh, man, they broke him off. They, they really broke him off. I thought you, you, at the beginning, you were saying, you know, that movie was really, really violent back then. I wouldn't even have took you to see that because yeah. you was a little kid. I, said, I would have said no because that's how, that's how violent it was because they really did Murphy. Oh, they did him bad. He had, bad like, he had a bad yeah. first. Yeah, he had a he had a rough first. I remember one of the funniest things you ever told me in my life was, if Batman was real, he would get killed his first night out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's no way Batman would make it. You know, and I, that's how I kind of imagine, you know, Alex Murphy. It's like, what did he? What did he? What, what was his plan? He was gonna just single hand his first day. He was gonna single handedly take out a group of of organized thieves by himself with 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 Lewis, and they were just gonna make the papers like. I don't know. I don't even know why they even split up. They should have just stayed together. I guess it would have been no movie if they'd have done that. Right. But yeah, they split up and he had a bad day. Man, so uh, Lewis discovers Murphy and we get to that uh, crazy uh, POV shot of him kind of dying. Uh, the, the, uh, the emergency room working on him. And I, I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Like As an adult, that movie, that scene just brings out the anxiety in me man it's a pretty nutty scene because from then on out everything's done in pov yeah you know what i'm saying you can see from if you're laying on a table how it would look and it reminds me of like when you ever go to the dentist or something like that and all you see is your shoulders and heads like, right. like hanging over you as like you and that like, and that bright light and that bright light you know what i mean and like just oh it's such an ugly feeling so that pov shot of uh him being worked on and him kind of flashbacking to moments in his life, the good parts, and then his eventual end death. It's kind of like him going down the light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? So it's just a very jarring and very cool, well shot scene because it it does what it wants it it does what it wants to do in that in that sense of it just makes you feel like man, man, P- Murphy got it rough. And do you think when you watch this movie, you think the doctors that was on the emergency room team did all they could? No, no, I noticed that. Right. They were very lax. They were just like, okay, we're going to O2 shock them. Okay. Right. Okay. Depre- all right, clear. All right, so that's all we can do. Call it. They call What's it. What's the time? That's it. What's the time? It's another dead cop, right? That's it. It's, it I noticed that there was no urgency in anything no. they were doing. They knew he was. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? Do you want? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, do you want to survive that? You want to live the rest of your life that broke off? Oh, I you know don't what know. I mean? Like what? Yeah. It's time to go, man. So, okay, what I have after the POV death scene is immediately after that the POV re- rebirth uh, yeah. of him in the process of becoming RoboCop. Yeah, and you see that like almost grainy television screen pop up. You see his point of view also once again. You see his point of view with protocols and and boot up, uh, and, and boot up root systems popping up, and uh, he said them kind of talking about you know getting him up and running. And I thought like, okay, how long is this POV going to run? Because it's actually I, I never noticed like the POV scene or sequence go this long. But I guess you can count it as two POV scenes. You know what I mean? Man, man, now you was right. Now, right before all this happened, that's when they was in the boardroom. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, I know yeah, I didn't so you can, mix you can that go, up. You can go into you can go into you can go into that because that that was that's right before that. 
Okay, cool. So let's do the boardroom scene real quick, and then I'm a, and then I'll go to part two of the POV scene. You know what I mean? Okay. So pretty much, um, there's the boardroom scene where we get the introduction to OCP, and pretty much their new military application, which will be the Ed two hundred nine. And I wish I knew the acronym, the ED two hundred nine. Uh, Edge 209 Enforcement Droid 209 here. Thank you, Enforcement Droid 209, where <laughs> uh, they were also introduced to like one of the directors of uh, OCP, Dick Jones, which yeah. is another great villain of this movie, where yeah. he's going into the different applications that OCP does, like space exploration, um, you know, uh, Hospital. hospitals, schools. pacification you know what i yeah. mean so so it's like it's almost like ocp's plan was to own the city <laughs> you know what i mean like all functions that make a city work you know hospitals right. schools and plus plus you know they wanted to clean up um detroit because remember detroit was going to be destroyed and they was going to they had greenlit delta city delta city was going to take detroit's place right and that was going to be kind of them the the gentrification of of uh of Detroit of Detroit you know right? right so and their plan was this was gonna be a part of that process was right. the to right to yeah, clear out all the riffraff that's right that's right perfect so they got the bright idea to bring an Ed two hundred nine into the boardroom right and this thing uh how would you describe Ed two hundred nine <laughs> well it it's got a, a big bubble type head and it had like it had Gatling guns for arms, and it had two 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 legs that went out with with the feet extended. So it it, it, it was it was balanced, and the the Gatling gun for arms. Oh my goodness! But that's basically what it looked like. It looked like a robotic T Rex shark. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, almost like you know, remember Robotech? It looked like one of those types. Yeah, like it looked like a Macross Robotech, like. In yeah. like in like leg form, you know what I mean. And, and the Gatling gun arms. And but the Gatling gun arms that that if I saw that in real life, I would not think it's trying to help me. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, <laughs> right. there's nothing protected serve about an Edsel Nine. That's pretty much like no. it's time. It's time to rock. It had no. It didn't even look like it had non-lethal options. No. <laughs> it's just a head, legs, and guns. Yeah, that's it's what like, it was. If that's good, if those are just patrolling the streets, of course you're not gonna have any violence. Everybody's scared to death. You yeah. become a police state. But nevertheless, they want to do a demonstration of the Ed 209's uh, uh, superior technology. So, you know the name of the actual poor schmuck they got to <laughs> to Mr. do Kenny. the demonstration, McCready, right? Mister Kenny, Mister Kenny, right? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So they un- unrivaled the Ed 209. And say, um, and it, they I, they volunteer Mr. Kenny, and he grabs his. It was almost like a, a platinum Desert Eagle. It's this huge gun that they gave this uh, guy. Yeah, it was like a Magnum or something. He points it at the Edso Nine, and the thing wakes up, and it sounds like a damn lion. It just literally roars at him, you know. 
and it just it arms itself immediately and <laughs> it just arms itself and Mr. Kenny's scared out of his mind and it says what oh, I can't I, I want to do the exact quote he says it's like something something on property you have you have 10 you have 20 seconds to comply in his crazy super deep voice and, and Dick Jones, Jones is like you better, yeah. comply. you better do like he says, Mr. Kenny. He's like, I think you better do as he says, Mr. Kenny. And so Mr. Kenny throws the gun away and he's standing there by himself. And El Tony roars again and says, You have 10 seconds to comply. <laughs> and, and it starts counting down nine. <laughs> he starts freaking out. And, and the whole right, thing is going nuts. The, the, the handlers are trying to pull the plug and they try yeah. to, they try to and they're doing everything they can to get this thing to stop it. Because I guess they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so the, yeah, like you said, in the background, in the periphery of the shot, you see just a bunch of technicians and scientists like pulling because they had like a whole like uh, like a control a, a control yeah. console. So they're flipping up the top and trying to tear off wires. Nah, it's not happening. Air Tour Nine is in a full effect, and so it gets down to and you know, Mr. Kenny, poor Mr. Kenny is like just bouncing off of poor direction. They're pushing him away. You know, get away from me, man. You know, so and they push him right in front of a window, and Antoine gets to zero, and he says, "I am now able to use physical force." <laughs> it just blows him away with live rounds, <laughs> and there's this cool shot of Mr. Kenny's like from his collarbone to like his nose, all the skin just peels off of his face as he's being blown away, and for like a full five second count of nonstop yeah. Gatling gun artillery. <laughs> And and people are screaming in the background. Antoine is just smoking from from his his guns. You hear someone in the background scream, "Don't touch him! <laughs> Get it clear!" <laughs> Everyone's Don't freaking out. Don't touch him! Everyone's just freaking out. <laughs> and you know the boardroom kind of clears out, and Dick Jones is talking to his boss, and he's like, "Oh, this is just a glitch. Am I a temporary setback?" <laughs> I'll let you do the other part. What the boy says, "You call this a glitch? <laughs> you call this, this a glitch? This, this setback it, is going to cost us something, something that's overrun, and we're going to Delta City won't get greenlit for six months, and that's when Bob Morton comes in. Bob Morton, the introduction says, of Bob Morton. And, right, you know. that's, that's when he comes in and he pitches the, the RoboCop program for contingency for this type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> as he looked at." Dick Jones and Dick Jones gave him the the stare of death, like man, you're such a you're such a worm. <laughs> you know? But right. it got RoboCop lit, and that's what led that's right. to, and that's what kind of dovetailed into Murphy's first day out, and his 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 death, his apparent yeah. death at the hands of the of Clarence Boddicker and his in his rogues gallery, as it were. Because uh -huh. they might as well be Flash villains at this point, right? So. We go into the rebirth of RoboCop, where we keep seeing screens pop up in different stages of his creation. And one of my favorite scenes is the lose the arm scene, where it's right. a bit in the future, and you see the RoboCop arm. And it's cool. I wish I had this. I want to know who owns it, because it's a working prop, right? And it's just RoboCop's hand, and it does this weird flick of the wrist, where it's like reaching out to, to shake your hand. Right. It looked like the like the like the Terminator arm. Yeah, it looked like a Terminator arm because it wasn't his it wasn't his completed arm, which is the cool thing. It was like it was like a prototype arm. It was like from the from the from the shoulder on down. Yeah, it was like a full shoulder pro, uh, 
uh, fake arm, right? It was like a robotic arm. Yeah. And so um, I always remember his, I forget his name, uh, the guy who created RoboCop. What's his name again? Bob Morton. Bob Morton. Bob Morton tries to shake his hand and it's just crushing his hand. And he's like, he's like, he's like, damn, it's got a firm grip. He's like, and the lady was like, it's 400 foot pounds. It can crush every bone in your hand. Bone in your hand, yes. <laughs> and then he goes into, I thought we said uh, full body pro- uh, prognosis. Uh, uh, why are we going to save the arm? And he's like, oh yeah, he's, this arm is just fine. And he's like, he's like, man, I told you to cut everything off. And then it went to the, he told, he asked the lawyer guy, which is, it's like, he's like in every movie. Now that I think about it, that black lawyer. Yeah, he's in every movie. He's like in every movie. And he's always, he never gets in trouble. He never gets injured or nothing. And he was like, so he asked, he's like, so what do we, what can we do? He's like, well, he signed himself over to OCP. He's technically dead. We could do whatever we want to him. <laughs> right? <laughs> so cold. No compassion, no nothing. No compassion. Lose, lose the arm. arm. Lose the arm. And then yeah, I think that's just, and then he Robocop is like it's like Christmas at this point. And uh everybody's celebrating and she's like, Oh, it's staring at us. Which is so weird how do you think about it? Like because from their point of view, you just see like this Robocop probably with no arms or legs left, just you know, just staring off into this group of partiers. One of the girl kisses him on his visor and it smears his yeah. his uh-huh. bum. You know, Bob Morton looks him in the eyes and says, you're going to be a bad motherfucker. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) I love that part. I love that part. That's one of my favorite parts, too. And then we finally get to the, the music starts welling up, which I love how the the use of music in this movie. And he says, he's going to be the state of the art RoboCop. And RoboCop stands up in 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 the camera, stands up with him. You kind of see him starts walking down. Everybody's clapping. And we finally yeah. get the we get a slow burn to see RoboCop, which I think is so cool. And any kind of superhero movie, if it's the first time you're seeing that character, you need a slow burn. You need a build up. You know what I mean? Like you need that anticipation. And you see, and they're taking RoboCop to this, this the precinct to let him get loose and let him get acclimated because technically he's still a cop. He's on the payroll. Right? Yeah. I don't know if Ro- RoboCop has like a four hundred one k because they own him, but product. Um, <laughs> He's right, he's a pro- product. You're a product, right? <laughs> so, they, they, you know, OCP rolls through, right, with like six or seven vans, and they're just like put him in through the back way, and everybody's like, "What is going?" And that's another scene where you you, you go into the uh, you go into the actual uh, police station, and someone's being rowdy. All types of crazy stuffs happen, and the moment you hear Robocop walking, everyone just kind of quiets down. And you hear that iconic RoboCop walk sound. That, that yeah. Doof, doof, yeah, yeah, doof. yeah. And it, everything about this character is iconic. Like they took, it, I love the attention to detail that's in RoboCop. His, you know, so he's walking through. You kind of see him in shadow. You see him behind like gilded glass. You don't really see him really clear. And he finally goes to the gun range where. Everyone is just kind of like doing their thing, and you, and you, you right, get right. the point. Hmm? But, but right the po- before that, he's yeah. walking through the, the the back of the police precinct, and one of the suspects is in there. And says, "What is this shit? <laughs> what, is, what is this shit?" Oh, I remember that part. <laughs> he's like, "What is this shit?" <laughs> Everybody's freaking out. Yeah, what are, what are they gonna do with it? What is, what is this? this what thing, is oh. this? Oh, Did that's a good part. To? You got me with that one. That's a good part. Because it's not like they gave him a heads up. 
You know what I mean? Right. It's like, prepare for RoboCop. This dude just came through one day. And, and it was the, it was the fat drunk guy at the table. Yeah. He was like, what is this shit? And the cop's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And you get the point of view from one of like the cops going into the gun range. And are you here? Once again, um, audio iconography. You hear that, the sound of that damn gun that, you know, just drilling into that, into that, uh, that, that shooting dummy that, you know, I, I've never heard anything like it other than in this movie that, you know, and it's just like, and people are freaking out because, because it's just sound, it's so loud. And one guy is just like that fucking gun, dude. It's like, it's the coolest yeah. thing ever, you know? And all you see is Robocop's hand at this point. And it's a full foot above everybody else's hand. So it kind of gives you some kind of scale on how big Robocop is. Right. And man, what, uh, and it's funny because in video games, they've, they also, they often ape this gun. Like, and, uh, and, uh, Far Cry, Blood Dragon, it's called oh. the, the game, the gun, the gun is in the game. You can pick it. And the gun right. is called the Alex Murphy. Oh, okay. Great. It's super cool. And like uh, other games pay homage to that gun. Cause it's like, I can't think outside of like the gun from the fifth element. You know, you know what I mean? With, with, with John Bautista, Manuel Zorg. I can only think of like uh, so many icon, iconic guns in movies that just really stand out. You know what I mean? That like, one, like I, like I said, that, that gun, it went from automatic to semi-automatic at will. At will. Because he didn't switch anything, right? No. It's almost like it was based on his trigger movement. Because he was doing steady shots, right, of automatic. Uh, the, the the drills. And it, it kept hitting the face of the of the dummy in the exact same spot. And then at the end, to finish it, it went to semi-automatic. It was like, do 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 And it just took it down. And everybody's like... What is what is this? And Robocop and he and he does the swirl. And also another iconic iconic thing is that hip that uh, his gun holder was like was built right. into his leg. Like yeah. I've never seen opens, anything like opens, that before. Yeah, it opens opens up, he puts his gun away and it closes back. It closes back. It's like it's so cool. Like I would, I just want to be on a fly on the wall for when these guys were sitting around designing Robocop back in the yeah, 80s. They, they, you know, you know, we um, I compared that RoboCop with their with their uh, newer movie, and I, I I don't know, I just like the way they did him. The newer one, he was cool too, but that RoboCop, they just really put him together. I mean, it was it, it was a, a fun a fun version of him. Uh, in the remake, in the, in the, no, in the new in, in the, the older one. Yeah, in the older in the one. You've never seen anything like it, you know. Right. It was not in comics, not in other film. The visor, it was so it was eighties perfection, right? Yeah. And you mentioned the new one where he had two different color variations, which is weird. He had, yeah. the, he had the stealth all black one, but I tend to yeah. like it better when they actually revert it back to the silver on black because it's more iconic that way. Uh-huh. He has a color scheme. If you think about it, all great heroes and villains. Are either two toned or three toned. Look at Spider Man; he's a two tone. Right. Uh, Batman could be considered two tone if you want to go the blue and gray or the black and yellow. Uh-huh. Uh, Iron Man, uh, red and yellow. Uh, yeah. So that 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 platinum chrome on that black 
It's just the most iconic thing in the world. I can't think of any other hero that pulls that off outside of like the Silver Surfer, right? Uh-huh. But right. but I think that's where the remake kind of messed up is that I know it wanted to do its own thing, but with an existing property, you need to really lean into why people are, love it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's one reason why you love it because he was, he was just cold. He was just cold. Just too cold, man. It's just too legit. So, you know what I mean? Then we get to a part where... It's RoboCop's first night out. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's really a contrast to Murphy's first day out. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you yeah. think about it, it contrasts in every single way down to the time of day it is. And I, I just remembered it right now. RoboCop gets in a standard car and as he's, he, he hits the, there's like a ramp that goes out uh, and he hits the yeah. ramp so hard you see it spike because he's so Sparky. heavy. Spark come from from underneath the underneath the car. It's so cool. So he's he bones out. This dude smashes out like eighty miles per hour in, in the parking lot. He's <laughs> he's ready to get to it. And you see his visor and he's picking up like different kind of like radio ch- chatter and stuff like that. And the first place he goes is to the liquor store where it's the I buy that for a dollar scene. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll let you because you remember this part better than I do. Someone let you take this one. How does this go? <laughs> starts shooting robocop with the rifle just spraying him and it's bouncing off food it's bouncing off like popcorn and on robocop is just bouncing off his chest like like superman you know what i mean and he, he walks right up to the guy and he does that classic superhero move he takes the barrel of the gun and just and no problem at all just bends it at his will the guy tries to escape and like you said <laughs> he does that that crazy lariat and it just clotheslines the guy right into yeah, the, uh, he does like a one a one eighty turn. It, it, it's like Robocop's so slow, but then when he needs to be, he's so fast. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of it's very jarring how that character moves. You know what I mean? So he saves the day. He's doing like uh what I call his he's doing his Spider Man run. He's going small. And, he, he's establishing himself. You know what I mean? He's doing small uh robberies thefts petty larceny you know what i mean he's going around the town cleaning he just automatically starts cleaning up detroit no problem <laughs> right. right by himself uh, you know what i mean so the next scene which i think is one of the cooler scenes is the scene where the two guys are chasing the girl in the darkness and they're gonna do things to her and robocop shows up and all you see is the light from robocop's car hit them and then another you know iconic moment is you see the shadow of RoboCop looming over these two guys oh, and their it, victim. Poster shot, right? See this, if you want to that great poster shot. That's exactly what it is. It, I, I wish I could find that just to put it as my screensaver. That's how cool that, that shot is. It's just the attention to detail in this movie is something that's super uh, underrated. You know what I mean? Like that alone is just, it's 
it just says so much. You know, RoboCop's here, right? <laughs> Everything is going to be fine. So yeah, looming, looming over those, over the bad guys, looming over the scum of the city, right? So the guy automatically takes the girl hostage. She starts screaming. And Robocop's vector starts finding an open spot to shoot. And it finds between the girl's legs. So Robocop shoots the guy pretty much in his lower area. And the guy just starts screaming. (laughs) He starts, like, squealing. His buddy just breaks out. And the guy is just pretty much done. He's like, what do I do now? And another telling moment in this movie is where the lady runs over the Robocop and tries to hug him. And, and like just starts crying and freaking out, just thanking him. She says, oh, thank you. And Robocop's just not moving. And then what does she say? What does he say? He says, uh, he I says, think you need I a will, rape crisis I will, center. I will notify a rape crisis center. I will notify a rape crisis center. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's just like, okay. And then, and then <laughs> it's like, and then it just goes to show like how much of Murphy is left in that thing at this point. It's just running its protocols. It's doing what it's got to do. And then right. we get to one, the best part of the montage is the hostage situation at the mayor's office where something didn't go no, right no, with no. this. Hmm? Right, that's right. right. Go ahead, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Go ahead, yeah, at the, at the mayor's office, right. So one guy is already dead. There's a bunch of people on their knees with their hands behind their heads. The mayor's on a loudspeaker just talking all types of shit. He's just... I want my old job back. He's like, yeah, we could work that out, dude. He's just like, he's like, I want a 2000 XUX. <laughs> he was like, yeah. And he just has, he has an automatic gun. Robocop pulls up slowly to the scene, breaks the cop, break, breaks the, uh, the police tape, just walks up. No one knows who this is, mind you. No one right. knows what this is. He just walks up to the main guy, just keep him talking, and just keeps going. <laughs> I just, I think about that, like, no one was, no one was like, was like prepped to be ready for RoboCop. He just shows up. Right. Like, right. You know? So he's like, I'm with the new car with the really shitty gas mileage. <laughs> oh, the. Uh, and I want to recount. Now I want to win. I want to recount. I want my old job back. I want my old job back. See, they fucked with me. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> and so he's like going off in one of the coolest parts of the movie. Is the guy's talking crap, and you see Robocop vision, and you see he does heat vision, like in the Predator. Yeah. And you see all the bodies there. You see him with his gun. You see him, like walking around, pacing the office, and out of nowhere, Robocop busts through the door like the Kool Aid Man. He you know he busts through a wall, a solid wall like the Kool Aid Man. Gets the drop on the mayor, and does a super punch and punches him out of a, like a, a third story building. It's so cool, man. It's just like, welcome to RoboCop. Hey, right, and the news crew is right there. The news crew follows his body all the way down. And, like, as soon as he hits the ground, it reverses back, and it just shows that on the on the evening news. RoboCop, who is he? Where does he come from, right? And uh, there's, the, of course, the scene where uh, they're doing the montage of RoboCop around the city, and he gets to the, he gets to the classroom. And yeah, in the, the uh, news uh, reporter is like Robocop, Robo. If you had one thing to say to the the youth of the city, what would you say? And Robocop looks dead in the camera and she's like, "Stay out of trouble." <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's like the most hardcore thing ever. Oh, it was funny. Stay out, Stay of, out trouble. of trouble. You know. <laughs> and so, at that point, 
we get to the scene where uh, the success of RoboCop has gotten back to his creator. And, you know, he's they're at OCP and he's in, is that the scene where he's in the elevator going to the bathroom? Yeah. They're just talking about um, yes. the RoboCop initiative yeah. and how it's being successful. Yeah, he just got promoted to. Yeah. Bob Moore got promoted to, to uh, uh, right under Dick Jones. He was like right under Dick Jones. He's like yeah. vice president of security. Remember, um, he worked. They work for Security Concepts, which is a subsidiary of OCP. Right. And uh, and uh, Bob Morton's walking to the bathroom. He's like, "Oh man, Dick Jones is a smokescreen. You ain't got to really worry about him." Right. right. And, and they're taking a piss in the bathroom, and Dick Jones walks into the bathroom on them as he's no, talking. No, 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 no. Dick Jones was in the stall. Yeah, right, 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 right. Dick Jones is already in there listening to the whole thing. Right? right, he was in one of the bathroom stalls, uh, so he walks out. One of the dudes taking a piss sees Dick Jones and just bails so quick that he pisses himself. Right, because uh, Dick, Dick Jones apparently gets people killed. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like he's that he's that gully. So everybody clears out. Uh, Bob Morton's still tough enough to like just stand toe to toe with Dick Jones, and and I'll let you kind of take how, what happens from that point. Yeah, he says. Um... Yeah, you you something something with that bastard creation of yours. I had a, a contract with with Ed told now. Who cares if it works or not? The old man thought it was important. Well, he's a sweet old man. He's a sweet old man. But I'm number two around here. He's not gonna live forever. You just fucked with the wrong guy. Yeah, it's your fucking mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> he grabs him by his he grabs him by his shirt and yeah, pulls him yeah. in. Such good! I love. Oh my goodness, I love this movie. It's so good. Uh, that's a fucking mind. That's a fucking mind. That that bastard creation doesn't screw up. Then he walks out. And he walks out. Just said to Eli, like, man, there's whole different. There's so many layers to this movie. It's just like yeah. so, much, so much that's going on with it. And then we get to the scene where um, Rumble Cop starts to have these bad dreams. Yeah. Right, where he's having flashbacks of his previous life, and uh, he he's starting to remember faces, and he's still he sits in this cool RoboCop chair that I guess monitors all of his downloads and monitors all of his activity from each day, right? And uh, then he's he how does he get the 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 hints to go after the first guy? I forget. Like, Why well, I don't um he sees uh, Clarence Bonica's face in his dreams. Right. And then he, I think he sees probably he sees them in his dream. I think he sees all of them. He, yeah, he flashes with all, all of them in his dream. Right, and that's well, why he goes after that guy. He goes he to the first go guy. After him. He, go, he doesn't go after him. There's a there's an incident at the at the gas station. That guy oh, just happened to be there. Right, he, he just, just happened there. to be there. Right, yep. and then he remembered his face. That's right, and, and that's what set him face. on the path. And then that's when he. That's right. But before that, he did have the dream. He saw Clarence Boniker, and he saw all those, all the faces of all those dudes. So he, he, he was already pretty much on the path. He just had to put it all together. When he saw that dude at the at the gas station, that's what sent him off. That was the eureka the, moment. And right, speaking of that gas, they were. right, right, yeah. right. And uh, speaking of that gas station scene where you know he's he's uh, trying to fill up his bike. With gas, and he, he literally just he rolls up with a gun in his hand. Wouldn't you just call the police immediately? Yeah, you know, 
I did. That's how. That's how Robocop knew to go there. He hit the side of the alarm. Right. He was killing that alarm. Right. Uh, yeah. And he was like, "Oh, you're some kind. You a college boy or something? You know." <laughs> the poor little guy behind the glass is like reading quantum physics or something crazy. Yeah, he's a, he was a bookworm or something like that. Yeah, you a bookworm? See, so pretty smart, huh? You outsmart a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> He's, and he just starts clicking the gun under the plastic like uh, protector. It's yeah, so dumb. Yeah. What are you saying? Yeah, y'all saw that? What are you saying? He starts banging on the on, <laughs> on the on the glass with the gun. Right. <laughs> what is going on? Little dude and, just shaking his head. No, no, no. He no. was like, "Give me alone." No. no. And then Robocop. And Robocop. Um, he he comes. He drives up. Hey, and then Robo- the guy says, "I know you. We killed you." Yeah, because what happens is what what triggers that. He says, says, you're dead or alive coming with me. That's what he tells him. Because he starts talking crap to RoboCop. And then RoboCop says, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And then it triggers that we've killed you. And then the guy just tries to roll out on his motorcycle while the (laughs) gas is still running. And he pretty much drives off and breaks the gas thing. And And as RoboCop turns to shoot him, the entire gas station just explodes. And it creates this cool, iconic scene of, like, the shadow. Once again, the shadow of RoboCop being kind of, like, in the light of the fire. And yeah. RoboCop shoots the guy's gun. Like, you shoot the guy's bike, and the, and the guy's bike, he wipes out, right? Wipes out. He, <laughs> wipes, he really wipes out. He falls hard. He should have been dead. He should have been dead. <laughs> and that poor that poor gas station attendant, did he survive that? Because it kind of seemed I, like I, thing I, exploded. Yeah. He, he knew what was going to happen. Because that dude, the dude that wiped out, was smoking, so he threw a cigarette onto the onto the ground, mm-hmm. and, and then that dude hid away somewhere. So I'm sure he, I think he survived. Right, because he saw the cigarette hit the ground and the yeah. gas going towards it, and so yeah. the, the attendant bailed out. Right. Yeah, he bailed out. And that's the scene where a RoboCop looks at him. He goes, "Who are you?" And the guy's like, <laughs> "He's super jacked up." And who are you? and that's where RoboCop started going on like he's like nah man so RoboCop went back to the precinct and went to go see the the uh, servers all the uh, OCP all the OCP police department servers and he pulls out that sick hand spike that I'm just like one why is it like why does it have to be this way you know why does it have to be a giant death data spike yeah it could have just been a USB but I guess we weren't yeah it looked like a giant icicle yeah it looked like Look like a Wolverine claw, you know. Yeah. This thing, but it was it was it was longer and thicker. Yeah, it was like a giant, like you said, like a giant icicle. You know yeah. what I mean? This this huge spike, and apparently that works. So he goes into the database, and he gets all of the known associates of that guy, of the uh, of the biker, and he starts seeing all those familiar faces pop up. Everybody in the gang, the uh, Asian guy, the black guy, uh, the get away from me, man guy. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to. Uh, Clarence Boddicker and he sees Clarence Boddicker's face and then it goes known felonies and it says murder and then it shows Alex Murphy's face and that's what really right. triggers the the memory of Alex Murphy deep within Robocop you know what I mean yeah, he, even, he even goes to his house after that and looks for his, his family but his house was already sold and he was really mad after that yeah because that's when he got ultra pissed and went after that guy in the club I, I, yeah. just to talk about that house scene really quick the house scene was so jarring because it was almost like a dream. You know what I mean? It was a very, yeah. it was from his point of view, it was very floaty. And as he's walking through, he's getting memories of his loving wife. And he just starts yeah, to become, and his, child, yeah. and his kids, 
can you do that, Dad? You know, that weird <laughs> repeat that kept happening. Can you do that, Dad? And he just keeps getting angrier and angrier. And it's so cool because you can see it in his walk. His walk is very normal and, and standard. And, and his, his face. Feet. His face yeah. crumples up a little bit. And he's just yeah. walking through like at super speed. And he's looking at the picture of the of the realtor, the, the digital realtor. And he just punches the screen like Pike <laughs> yeah. in, in the Flash trailer. Like, you know. He's, oh, you threw him up in He does the Pike punch from the original like 90s Flash pilot. Yeah. Oh, if y'all don't know about that. Pike was the best villain. Uh, Pike was the best TV villain ever. But that's for another podcast. Right. Maybe we'll, right. Maybe we'll review the old Flash episodes once one day. But oh, that's a reference for those who know about it. Oh, yeah, man. oh man, you used to love that. Oh, it's the best. It's actually the best. Pike punches that. Pike punches the shit out that TV. <laughs> it makes this, like, this crazy break noise. It's it flash cuts to the club where one of the one of the group because he's because Robocop's on Avengers Trail at this point, um, right. and it flash cuts to the club scene where one of the guys is partying and Robocop goes to the club and pretty much just apprehends him, which I don't get because how did these guys get out after Robocop caught them all? Because he caught like a couple of them, didn't he? Jones, he Jones, but you'll get to that later on. Right. So he goes to the uh, he goes to the club. He sees Homeboy dancing. And the guy tries to pull a gun on Robocop. Robocop pretty much just breaks his hand. And, and he kicks and hits him in the balls or something. And the guy falls to the ground. And everybody's getting super hyped because Robocop's there. So no one stops. Like The club doesn't like stop or, or like relax or anything. People are getting more excited. And so Robocop um, grabs the guy by the hair and just drags him out <laughs> by his hair. The guy just starts screaming. Yeah, yeah. Funny where's, face he's making. where's Clarence Boniker? Where's, where's Clarence Boniker? Where's Clarence Bodiger? And you know what's funny about that? The dude gives him up. He tells him yeah. where he's at. Yeah, the dude super gives him up. He don't want nothing to do with Robocop, man. He was such a turncoat. I love, I don't, that's what about, I think he's my, but besides Huey, he's my favorite, uh, he's my favorite henchman of Clarence Bodiger, right. man. He's too yeah. good. Yeah, he steals every scene he's in that they actually let him do something. And he didn't do too much, but yeah, the next scene he was in, because they don't, they don't actually see, show him, give him up. But you knew he had to because Robocop knew exactly where to go find Clarence Boniker. Right, because if you're going to lie, Robocop's just going to defeat you super hard and, and break bones and possibly might kill you. You know what I mean? So, uh, Robocop then, uh, and then there, and then before that, there's the actual comeuppance of, uh, uh, dang, I, his name keeps escaping me. Where Clarence Boddicker actually goes Bob to Morton. visit Bob Morton, Bob Morton, or Bob Morton, he goes to visit Bob Morton on the request of Dick Jones, and Bob Morton's having himself right, a Bob pretty Morton. good time. Yeah, he's living it up. Yeah, he's doing coke off of like prostitutes in his house because he just got a promotion. You know, he's feeling ultra good. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's doing his thing. So uh, Clarence Boddicker shows up as the assassin. He just. I don't remember if he just bust down his door. He just no, no, he not, no, no, he knocked, he knocked on the door. He knocked on the door. <laughs> Why is he so cordial? So he walks in. Everybody's on the floor sitting down, like doing blow, and uh, Clarence Body just says, "Bitches leave." <laughs> so the first thing he says, and the girls yeah. like scat. They just they run out, and so 
uh, Bob Morton tries to talk to to Clarence Boddicker. I don't even think he knows who he is at this point, right? No, he doesn't know. So he's like, hey, man, what are you doing in my house? And immediately, uh, Clarence Boddicker uses like a, a silencer and just and just kneecaps them, both knees, yeah. right? And then he puts the tape on, and, and for some reason, Bob Morton has like 75 screens on his wall. And just all of Dick Jones, you know, <laughs> kind of breaking it down. You yeah, know? breaking it down, yeah. You know, like, I wish I remembered that verbatim. It's such a yeah, good damn scene. But he tells him, whatever he's paying you, I'll double it right now. Yeah. But Clarence, Clarence Bonica was not having it. He wasn't even saying and anything. He, he was just smiling. He was just like he looking just at smiling. him. And he pulls out the grenade and pulls the grenade. He was a pin out with his, with his mouth. With his teeth. <laughs> Down on the table, right next to Bob Morton, just out of he reach. Out. He sits it up just right. out of reach of Bob Morton, <laughs> and he's like, ah, well. he's like trying to grab the grenade, and he touches it, and it slips and starts spinning on the table. Such a good scene, and yeah. that, for some reason, that one little grenade blew up its entire house. So yeah. <laughs> that tells you that there's no more RoboCops. You know what I mean? Like that's just it. <laughs> no, that's it. That's there's it. only one RoboCop, and, and that's it, right? So, um. Then we get to one of my favorite scenes of the movie, which is the uh, warehouse. The warehouse scene where Clarence Boddicker, I guess, is trying to connect with one of the major Coke um, distributors in 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 Detroit, which will become Delta City. And this is just the funniest. It goes from being hilarious to awesome to hilarious again. It's the perfect like action movie sandwich. Because Clarence Boddicker is just totally disrespecting this guy. I mean, the guy, they're walking through his, uh, they're giving him a tour of the actual warehouse. And the whole time, Sal, or Saul, I think it's Sal. It's Sal. Sal, Sal yeah. yeah. And he's like drinking this red wine and they're, they're coming to the table. And Sal is like, man, I work with a lot of people who really don't know, who knows all about you. And, how, and we know about your government connections and your OCP connections. And we kind of don't really want to mess with you. You know, he's pretty much telling them that. And, <laughs> and Clarence Bodiger takes his fingers and dips it into his wine. Okay, and, just, and then he and he says, um, Sal gives him a price, and yeah. Clarence Bodiger says, I don't think I want to pay that. <laughs> I don't think I want to pay that. He, yeah. And, then he, and he gives him a briefcase with money in it, and, yeah. and Clarence says, good business is where you find it. Good business is where you find it. And, <laughs> and the guy starts throwing the money back at, yeah. uh, the stacks of money back at Clarence Bodiger, and that's when he starts going off. About how people don't uh, want to really uh, mess with him, and he's like, oh, "Maybe I didn't make myself clear." <laughs> <laughs> and he just dips his fingers, and, he, and he's like, "I don't want to fuck with you, Sal." And he, just, he wipes his nose with the wine. Like, why would he do that? It's such a stupid. It's so good. And Sal it's, drinks it after. And Sal drinks it after because he's a boss. He was cool too. He was cool too. Um, yeah. He's like, I will shove so much of this coke up your wop ass <laughs> that you'll be shitting snow for a year. And it sounds like he was like it sounds like, hey Richie, come ki- please kill this cocksucker, right? And everybody pulls their guns out. It's like guns, guns, guns. Both sides, you both sides. Pull both sides. Out. It becomes one of those uh, Mexican standoffs, right? Yeah. And it's just like the Tigers is playing Da-da-da-da. tonight. <laughs> Never, Never miss a game. Yeah, he's got super hype, <laughs> and you know, and at that point, that's where RoboCop just comes through, yeah. and it becomes one of the best action scenes of the 80s i would say it's iconic it's up there with like the terminator scenes you know what i mean it's just robocop just systematically takes every single combatant down with one gun yeah by himself 
and the music is blaring and, and before yeah and the way it was choreographed was perfect it was almost like a, like a like a dance mm-hmm. you walk through there first you have pinpointing each one of the combatants what is what is what is visor and then then he just started and the music just like we talked about earlier the music was on the point and mm-hmm. it was almost like 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 choreographed dance he would yeah. shoot over shoot over his shoulder over his back the way he was the way he was turning as he was the way he was walking through there beautiful scene beautiful scene, beautiful scene. And like he has this one moment where he turns behind himself and one hand is up in the air like he's spinning and the other hand is like shooting the gun and it's like this like one thing just i i can't say it enough this movie's so iconic like everything about it the whole scene like you said it's like a, it's like a, a ballerina or yeah. it's like a choreographed stage dance where everything's in place people are falling people are flying through flying off of platforms it's just one of the best scenes in in 80s of the 80s and in of the um, action genre so robocop finally catches up to uh to clarence bodiger right <laughs> and the moment he grabs clarence bodiger clarence bodiger spits blood <laughs> in, in, in robocop's visor and that and that of course is a pov view so you see yeah. the blood smeared down robocop's visor he's like fuck you <laughs> And he just keeps throwing. It's like he's like I work for. He's like, do you know who I am? He's like, do you know who I work for? And Robocop just keeps throwing him through windows. And like, right. I work for Dick Jones. Dick what Jones. Is this? <laughs> you can't do this to me. I like, work for Dick Jones. Dick Jones. And he just keeps throwing him through shit. And he says, Dick Jones, uh, you work for OCP. You work. Uh, OCP runs the cops. And he's wow. like, you're a cop. He just said yes. Yeah, because yeah, Robocop was gonna was gonna crush his face. He was gonna crush him. Robocop was about to kill him. Yeah, about and, to kill him. And if he and didn't yeah. say that, Robocop would have killed him. That's right, because it was um remember, one of his um prime directors, he had four of them. And yep. I think the third one was Uphold the Law. Uphold and, the Law was flashing. And, yeah. And and at this point, Murphy's almost in full control. Almost. You know what I mean? But uh, Uphold the Law was flashing and that stopped him from cracking. And he calms up. down. He's yeah. you're right. I am a cop, right? <laughs> and then we, we go back to another iconic scene where Robocop brings in Clarence Bodiger <laughs> to the pl- Another scene at this police station. Robocop <laughs> just throws him against the thing. And he says, I got one for you. And the, ser- and the sergeant is like, what's the charge? And Robocop turns and says, he's a cop killer. <laughs> and everybody's just looking at him like, what? Looking at Clarence Bodiger all mean. And they put the paperwork in front of Clarence Bodiger. <laughs> And Clarence Bodiger just spits blood on the paperwork. <laughs> and everybody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's like, give, give me my, my fucking, fucking phone call. call. <laughs> give me my fucking phone call. Everybody's like, holy shit. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Such a oh, good scene. So, so Great damn scene. cool. So, um, let me go. Totally destroys Clarence Bodiger. And then, um, what what happens exactly after that scene? Is that where Clarence Bodiger and Dick Jones have the conversation? Yeah. Ab- um, and Dick Jones gives him the kill order to destroy RoboCop. No, um, no, no. After that is where um, RoboCop goes after Dick Jones. Oh, okay, right, right, right. So as soon as he drops him off, RoboCop just rolls up the OCP because he got hit the name, he got the perp, right? And Robocop is unaware of, of Director 4, I would assume, right? Because he wouldn't have tried it if he if he could. 
That's right. He's unaware of that. It was a secret directive put in by OCP. Yeah. It was it was classified. Classified, right? It, it like it unclassified as he was doing it, right? Yeah. And Rubble and Dick Jones was he was like, "Well, do I can't you have to do what you do, officer?" And he puts his wrist out. He was so cool. He was, he was so, so cool, cool about it because he already knew. He put, he, was, arm, he put his arms out so he could get a, so he could be arrested so he could put the cuffs on him. Yeah, because Robocop, Robocop just starts listing off stuff that he was uh, done, that he that uh, he was uh, guilty for. That I guess you got to arrest me, Mister Officer. And Robocop <laughs> yeah. just starts jacking up, and he puts his wrist <laughs> down. He's like, he, and he and then he showed him the Robocop tracker. Did he show him the Robocop tracker at that yeah, point? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, you must have missed Directive Four. And, he, and what the Directive Four was was a uh, condition that Robocop is against his prime directive to. Uh, arrest or harm any OCP director, and it yeah. says RoboCop until like automatic. He's an automatic shutdown. Like, what does that mean? Like, will RoboCop just die? He just, you know, he just cuts off. He just yeah, he shuts just, off. He just shuts off. So RoboCop is in mid shutting off, and then uh, Dick Jones calls in an actual live Ed two hundred nine. Right. And Before, then, start, and then why, why he's doing it? He's telling them. He says he tell them about Bob Morton. Tell them about Bob Morton. Yeah, he starts spilling everything. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now, now it's time, time to erase that mistake. Absolutely. And then you just hear the robot, the Ed 209 just coming to the boardroom, which is like, why wouldn't Dick Jones duck for cover? It is Gatlin guns for, you know. And Robocop tries to fight off the Ed 209, but he's still jacked up. The Ed 209 does his backhand with this Gatlin gun that throws Robocop through a plate glass window. Yeah. Which I thought that was kind of cool that the Ed 209 has like CQC. You know, close, uh-huh. close quarters combat, and the Eto Nine is just wrecking Robocop, right? And Robocop's trying to escape, and he falls down a flight of stairs. And Robocop's at the end of the stairs, and you can see the Eto Nine. It's, <laughs> it's one of the craziest movies. This movie, this scene didn't need to be in the movie, but it it was so iconic and so smart. The Eto Nine doesn't know how to stairs yet, right? So right, you see the Eto Nine's toe kind of kind of tickle. Oh. You know, yeah, trying to try to feel how to get down inside to figure out how to how to maneuver the stairway. Right, it's trying to figure out how to maneuver the stairway, and it just eats shit like all the way down. <laughs> it just yeah. totally tumbles down the stairs on its back, and it makes this crazy, like baby crying sound, and it's the most disturbing thing ever. You know, it's just it's crying like a child, and you see Robocop all jacked up, and you can see his human eye, which was broken. The, the visor was broken. He's just looking like, okay, I'm just going to let this do its thing. I'm going to just walk away, right? And the Eto 9 is literally like spazzing out and screaming. And squealing. Uh, yeah, squealing, yes. It's literally squealing, and Robocop just walks away. And then we get to another scene where it's like you have to deconstruct your hero to build them up again. Is the the onslaught of the OCP police department, because they meet him downstairs. Robocop's leaving to re- to retreat to his car, you know, and I guess back to the precinct, but who's there to await him? But right. almost the entire force is oh, out there. Yeah. And one thing I would like to note is that some of the officers felt re- reluctant to do it. Right, they were ambivalent about it, yes. Yeah, they were very ambivalent about it. They're like, man, well, I don't know if he's a cop, he's one of us. And it's like, oh, not OCP doesn't say that. And then someone just screams fire right. from like a distance. And all these cops just start raining bullets at Robocop, you know, and the scene kind of feels like it lasts forever, right? And it's just, 
him falling and rolling down, you know, uh, parking lot structures and him crawling and you see the smoke yeah. and you hear the and the and uh, another mention of the music. The music Seriously, wells I just, up. I was just, yes, it does. I was just thinking that. I was hoping that you were going to mention that. Yes, the music steals the steals the scene pretty much. Yes, because it's so it's and it's a different version of the main theme. It's like it's almost somber, like but it's still loud and bombastic. Yeah, of the destruction of RoboCop. And luckily for RoboCop, he is crawling and you see a, a cop car pull up and RoboCop's almost like reaching out for it. Like, please don't hurt me. Right. It's this very weird, almost like vulnerable moment. And of course you see that it's Lewis and Lewis bails him out and drives off with him. And they're shooting at Lewis's car. Cops mm-hmm. are shooting at other cop car, which is crazy. Right. So, you know, and then we kind of skip to, uh, the scene where, uh, I guess Dick Jones. I mean, I'm sorry. I guess uh, Clarence Bodiger and his group got all the munitions from Dick Jones, right? And at this point, the cops are completely okay. Yeah, strike. yeah, but okay, yeah. But, but remember, he goes to Dick Jones' office first. Right. That's the scene we were talking about earlier. That's right. when he gets the kill order because they didn't complete the job, right? Right. But but what happens when he gets to the office? Yeah. Uh, Dick Jones gets mad at Clarence Bodiger because he name dropped him. <laughs> And, you know, he's pretty much, you involved me. You know, <laughs> Dick Jones wanted to be the puppet master behind the whole thing. Yeah. And then Clarence Bodiger's <laughs> like, look at my fucking face. <laughs> Does it look like I had a choice? That thing was going right. to kill me. <laughs> right? He's like, you know. <laughs> oh, that's, one of the, that's one of the funniest scenes ever. Because Clarence Bodiger was so serious. He said, that thing, look at my face. Think about, think you got a choice. That thing tried to kill me. That thing tried to kill me. Hey, it's like, what do you want me to do, man? <laughs> I had to do it. He said, that thing is a cyborg, you idiot. It recorded everything you said. So <laughs> <laughs> was like, what can I do about it? Now you got to kill him. You got to destroy it. So he gave him the RoboCop finder. And he was acting like, well, we're going to need some heavy-duty armory for this thing. Like, do you have any connections with the military? And, kind of, and Dick Jones is kind of like, at this point, we are the military. You know what I mean? Right. So, and then we get to the scene where I want to say it's the scene where Robocop is relearning how to do yeah. stuff because he's at the same refinery that he was at before, but him and Murphy are down there eating baby food and just him kind of. Him and, him, him and Lewis. Him and Lewis, Lewis. I'm sorry. What did I say? Murphy. Okay. Him, uh, Murphy and uh, Lewis are at the uh, refinery, and Robocop's kind of patching himself up. Right, he's his visor's gone. Yeah. He's all bulleted up, but he's like he's working on his legs to get his legs working again, and his tracking is off. And Lewis, yeah. him and Lewis have this weird touching moment where she kind of teaches him how to recap. She helps him recalibrate his aim. You yeah, know what I mean, because it's like he's super thrown off. He's like she's like better. He's like better. You know, he's starting to become more human. You know, yeah. and then we get to the scene where it's at nighttime and the cops are completely on strike at this point. So yeah. Clarence Boddicker in his Rose Gallery could just run afoul of the entire town. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what they did. The first uh, first chance they they could have got. And uh, Joey got himself a brand new 2000 XUX factory sticker <laughs> still on the window. And they start rubbing it in Clarence's face. It's like, we, uh, what did it, how did it go? <laughs> Yeah, he was like, he was like, hey, what are you gonna do about it, Clarence? Like, what do you feel? How do you feel about that, Clarence? 
saying, they said, uh, you got a car, you got a car just like Clarence. Oh, Clarence looked at him like, okay, okay, okay we'll so about that. As part of that, they got the 2000 XUSs and they got these super, these ultra guns. There's something out of like Contra. You got these super rifles. So Clarence grabs the super rifle and blows up Joey's car, like in front of his face. Oh, oh. And Joey's just sitting there so bummed out and, and salty. And everybody's having a good time about it. And so uh, Clarence gives Joey the okay to go nuts with the new gun. And so Joey starts just blowing up storefronts. He's just ready, right. just screaming and laughing in that crazy high-pitched Joker voice. You know what I mean? So all this sets up that they're ready to start rolling on RoboCop and have the final confrontation at the old refinery where all this began. Right. And RoboCop and Lewis are ready this time. You know what I mean? They're prepared. Uh, and it's that kind of weird booby traps all around the refinery mm-hmm. in a weird way to take them out. And so they get there and they, they start to confront RoboCop. And it comes to one of the most craziest scenes I've ever seen in an action movie. This movie, this scene rivals most horror films of uh, of pretty much how it goes down. So I want to let you take this one. How does this scene, you know, you already know what scene I'm talking about. Yeah, when, when um, I don't know, the, the, the biker, we're just calling the biker. Right. Gets, gets slammed into some toxic waste. And, and and after he after he emerges from that, he is totally jacked up. And the the makeup on the the makeup artist on that must have must have been really really sick because the the, the skin was falling over his face. His eye his, his face was fused together. Yeah, and he was walking walking like a like a crippled zombie. A zombie. Yeah, his, his clothes were melted into his skin, <laughs> and like one eye was sick. milky. And his lip was all hanging off. Hanging his face oh, melted yeah. to the side. And he's walking around like, help me. <laughs> no one knows what yeah. to do with him. And, and it cut to one of the, what about my favorite henchman? He cut to a, yeah. a, a shot of his back. And he's like shooting at Robocop or whatever. And the dude, the melted guy, grabs behind and pulls him and holds on to him. He's like, he's like help me. Get away. <laughs> Get away from me, man. Yeah, get away from me, man. And he, and he runs off. <laughs> and he runs off and leaves homeboy in the middle Dang. of the street. And the craziest part is that for some reason, I think Lewis is behind the wheel. A cop car is barreling down the street like 80 miles per hour, right? And you see this cool POV, this cool POV shot of the window of the car. And you see the, the muck man kind of turn to look at it. <laughs> He's lumbering. He's lumbering street. through like the the road, and the car hits him, and he literally just explodes in the water, like explodes in the yeah. juice. I, not even water, like muck or like muck, like pus. He explodes yeah, into like it's it's the grossest, coolest thing ever. <laughs> and imagine like you know five six year old Michael going, "What the hell? <laughs> like, what is right. what is that? It's the coolest thing ever. It's so fascinating that he literally jellified, like." Yeah. He just explodes on the mirror. And it's it's so bad that the windshields are they going. Crash. You're trying to get crash. his body mass off of it. And it crashes the car. <laughs> it's so cool. It's one of the best scenes ever. So Robocop slowly taking out all the all the, ba- all the remaining henchmen. The only two that are left is Clarence Bodiger and the get away from me man guy. Yeah, he's like Nash. Nash, thank you. Nash. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, 
we finally get to the scene where they're in this open, like behind the refinery and it's all watery. And it's a scene where Robocop's literally walking on water as he's confronting Clarence Boniger, you know, for the last time. But what he doesn't notice is that Nash is actually up in a crane ready to drop a bunch of like uh, rods and, you know, girders, girders and shit like on top of Robocop. Yeah. So Clarence is keeping him talking. You know what I mean? And I think Clarence is saying something smooth, like he's like trying to apologize or something. Mm-hmm. And Robocop's just like pointing him down. He's and not then, hearing it. He's not arresting. I'm not arresting. He even tells him, I'm not arresting you this time. He's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, right? So, right. And so um, Nash drops all the shrubbery on top of Robocop. And he's just laughing. And Robocop can't move because he's under like hundreds of, of, of uh, pounds of metal. So Clarence Bodiger is walking over. He grabs the spear and literally throws the spear of Longinus into Robocop's chest, and it's just yeah. like this really it's visceral twi- scream twi- that he lets out. Twisting it. Yeah, he starts twisting it. He starts twisting it up, and Robocop's just like freaking out. And and the guy and, and then Clarence Bodiger acts and asks to do another run. So um, Nash goes grab some more shrubbery or whatever and goes and starts to swing it over again. Uh, but at the back of the scene, you see Lewis has one of those super ultra guns, right? She just got a hold of one. And she literally blows up yeah. Nash in one shot. The entire crane just explodes in one shot. You hear Nash scream, and the whole thing just explodes. And it it distracts Clarence Boddicker to the point where he's looking up. And this is the moment where Robocop uses his super data spike, his icicle spike, and literally just juts it into Clarence Boddicker's throat and you just see and he just pulls out a, a chunk of, of his throat his entire his like entire thyroid just is out and you see Clarence Boddicker starts to sway and the music is swaying with him in a yeah. weird way and he just falls to his death and that's it and um, you hear Robocop just screaming Lois Lois he's making sure she's okay and you see Robocop just lift off one of the girders off of, off of himself and it's just like, yeah, man, you know, it's this kick-ass ending to that battle scene. And uh, yeah. we, we get to the final scene of the film where Robocop is once again confronting Dick Jones with everything he needs, all the evidence he needs. And uh, there's an Ed 209 just out front of OCP. And uh, Robocop just kind of shows up with that super pew-pew gun that they never really explain how it ha- where they got it from. It's just it's from it's a military application that was given to um, Clarence Boddicker by Dick Jones. And what does he do? He just blows up the Ed two hundred nine in one shot. One shot. Basically, he just took him out. No fight scene. None. That just took him out. That was Robocop's revenge. You know what I'm saying? Murphy's yeah. revenge, as it were. And he's, you can see his face. He's smiling. Right. He right. Has like a little a weird <laughs> little smile. It's like uh-huh. yeah. And Robocop turns, he, and Robocop does this smooth turnaround where he's walking, and then he does like a turnaround to check it out, and then it just keeps walking. And you see that like right. the Ed 209 just switching and twitching out. And, uh... Just the leg. All you see is the, all you see is the leg. He blew yeah, the, the whole top half of him off. The whole top half explodes, and all that's left is like a stump, his legs, and his, tor- and his weird little attaching part. It's almost yeah. like the Enterprise E. It's like where the Enterprise, like the saucer section takes off. You just see that little stump where the, yeah. where the warps. It's, it's kind of like that for all the, the Trekkies out there. Yeah, right, right. So, so Robocop, what did you say? Like me, uh, but 
yeah, yeah, like like me. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. like me too. Uh, this happens when you're a Trekkie son. You automatically join the group. Um, <laughs> so Robocop finally goes to confront Dick Jones, and um, and uh, the old man kind of, you know, you know, presents says, "Hey, what, what kind of evidence do you have?" And Robocop goes and shows the video of Dick Jones' stupid confession to everything. You know, the whole, I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. And what does Bob, and what does Dick Jones immediately do? He, he grabs him, grabs him, <laughs> and he asks for a chopper, and he wants to get away. Yeah. Oh, the old geezer, oh, oh, if I don't get these things, the old geezer gets it. The old geezer gets it. He doesn't even, like, he doesn't even try to deny anything. He just says, I want a chopper. <laughs> just grabs him. <laughs> Starts going into his demands. Uh, the old geezer gets it. And Robocop is just staring at this old guy like, you know what to do. And the old dude gets it in his hand. He says, Dick, you're fired. <laughs> and Robocop says, thank you. <laughs> and, 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 sh- and shoots him in the head and shoots him like in the chest. And the old, the old dude slip, uh, slips away. And there's this weird haunted image of uh, Dick Jones falling to his death, animated, and his arms are super long for some reason. You know what I mean? Right, as he's falling out of out of the wind out of the window, screaming. There's a lot of windows in this movie. A lot of li- a lot of window throws in this movie. So cool. It's like the yes. last boss of Final yes. Fight. You know. Yeah. So he falls out, and the music starts swelling up again, very softly. And he, and and the uh, old man is like, "You're a pretty good officer, son. What's your name?" And Robocop looks to the screen and says, Murphy. And then it rolls into Robocop. The end, yeah. And then the music One of the great is, endings of a movie, and, and the music wails away. It, it's a great movie. Yeah, and the movie ends, and it's just like, it, if it wasn't so successful, you could have just been that, you know what I mean? Like, it's so cool. I love this movie. and uh, Like, I love Robocop 2, and that's pretty much where my love ends. Like, I don't like 3 right. or any, any right. of the other ones, but... Robocop 2 was a pretty good sequel to it, but this standalone movie is, I would say, in anyone's top list of the best 80s movies of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, by, by, what, far. by far. By far, right? And it's just, and it's so, it's timeless, almost in a weird way, because the issues that are brought up in this film are issues I see that the, the human race having for at least the next hundred years, right? Yeah. You know, uh, corporate corruption the uh, the the death and rebirth of a man you know there's a lot of uh jesus allegories in this film the rebirth of you know someone being you know born again but better in a weird way right and frankenstein is in there Fra- a little bit of frankenstein's monster yeah. right so you know no no love interest right no classic no, love interest. no classic tropes it's all about one man's journey from, you know, from trying to do something right to losing from his being, identity to coming from back. From being human, the sidewalk, and to pretty human much being again. human again at the end. Yeah. It's so good. You know what I mean? It's like, if we mentioned earlier in the podcast or in the review about the sequel, or not the sequel, but the, the remake, and how right. it's not necessarily a bad movie. It's just different. You know what I mean? It has a different approach. It's not very... It's not as commercial. It's not damning the commercialism of corporate America. It's more about the the man becoming the robot and then becoming the man again. Yeah. You know, and that film 
I remember we, we had a conversation about this earlier. It's like it, it dwells more into Robocop's family, which you never really got a, a feel for in the original. In the first, in the original, that's that's true. That's right. I, I kind of like that about the about the newer movies, and and I and I like the the political aspects of it too because right. you know the United States wanted well some people wanted them to have robots police in the United States like they use they use robots to police the other countries and work war zones and all that so right. they had this this initiative going against going to, into Congress to vote on that whether they were going to have the, the same policing in the United States than they had overseas and a lot of people was was forward and against it right. and them building RoboCop he was supposed to bridge the gap for that they were going to use him to get that vote passed but right. it, it didn't go quite the way they wanted it RoboCop wasn't exactly the the um the the foil for that they he he didn't do what they wanted so the vote didn't pass it's because I movie. think in the movie it's because they didn't really want human element in the robots in the first place. They always, no, they didn't. And that's why they built the Ed 209s in that movie. It's because they wanted to keep it that, that to take the human element out of it to save lives. But at the same time, it takes a human life to make a decision. Yeah. That's not always by the book. You know, do you, it's like, it's like, there's these, uh, it's funny. And they're, you know, we're getting into the age of automated vehicles, right? Where Google's just going to start running your car. And it's going to take you where you, where you want to yeah. go. And there's like a protocol in these in these automated ve- movies. I'm sorry, these automated vehicles that people don't really know about. And it's a protocol that says if you're going to be in a car crash and you and there's a choice, if you do this, there's a higher chance of you saving yourself. And if you do that, it's a higher chance of the other car save becoming saved. The car is going to automatically choose to take your life over the life of say a car full of fam. Uh, uh, a car full of a family. Wow. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. Almost, I, 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 almost like almost like the Will Smith robot movie, right? Exactly. It's going to choose the it's going to choose to save the higher body count than to save no matter what. So your car may make the decision for you, and you may die so that they could live. And a lot of people aren't happy eating that decision, right? Because you know we're yeah, having having some third party decide that. Oh, and and not just a third party. Uh, a, a heartless robot type thing to decide that exactly wow. it's a, a calculation, not a decision. There's two different right. things, right? So, and, that, and this movie plays with that. It's like uh, we don't really want robots uh, patrolling our streets because they can't make the hard decision. They're going to always make the calculation, and that calculation may be wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas or human, might go, or might go against the court system. It, it might decide that you do too dangerous to, to, to even face a jury and, and the robot might just take you out. Yeah, right then and there because you have priors. Right then and there. You know what I'm saying? So that's what this remake kind of touched on and kind of touched on, you know, the psychological process it takes to become RoboCop, right? Yeah. They even had this weird scene where they're going through RoboCop candidates and, and it was all based on marketing and psychology. Yeah. It was yeah. weird. It's like, oh yeah, this guy's handsome. Like, oh yeah, but he has psychotic episodes. Okay, we can't mess with him. What about him? Oh, he's too fat. No, Nobody's gonna want to mess with him. Oh, we can't do him. What about him? Oh, he's too black. There was even a black guy. They're like, no. Yeah, he just, just they like him. he doesn't like he doesn't range right. And then it was like, right. okay, these are the colors we want for Robocop. And of course, I had the iconic gray and silver. And then and the Michael Keaton character's like, nah, man, I want something more tactical. You know what I mean? So right. <laughs> it became that black on black. You know. What I mean? Yeah. The movie's very different and. 
I can watch both of them and enjoy both of them, but it's not better than the original. You know what I mean? Just, no, it's just no way. not. No way. You can't defeat no nostalgia. Way. And another so, thing I take away from the original one before we close yeah. is how this movie, the villains were the main focus of the movie. Mm-hmm. They pretty much stole the show. You can right. go from Clarence Boniker to Bob Morton to Dick Jones. And a Absolutely. lot of movies have done that. I can think of like 10 movies where where the villain would overshadow the hero. Every single time because the villain gets to do whatever he wants. And yeah. the villain actually gets to emote more than the hero does. Look at the Dark Knight with the yeah. Joker. Yeah. It's a perfect you example. The, you can go back to the uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, Michael, the Michael Keaton Batman too. Where, Absolutely. Uh, uh, Jack Nicholson pretty much stole the show. And you can think, you can think of a lot of movies like, like that. In Star right. Wars, people don't think about Skywalker. They think about Darth Vader. Darth Vader. So you can, yeah, you can, you can just go on and on and on and how the villains were the most memorable person in the movie. That, and that, I watched RoboCop. Not too much for RoboCop, but I watched it for Clarence Boniker and for Dick Jones. That's Ab- what I watched the movie for. Absolutely. The villain, and it's, the villains always drive the conflict, and conflict drives the story. Yeah. Right? So the villain's always going to have top billing over the hero in regards to story progression, in regards to attention. Because you have to establish your villain to establish the hero. You know what I mean? Right. Without this conflict, movie, there's no reason for the hero to react. And this movie does it excellently. Excellently. Robocop is a byproduct of the villainy of Detroit, right? Yeah. Without Clarence Boddicker, without uh, Dick Jones, without Bob Morton, for that matter, there's no conflict for Robocop to even right. exist. Just like right. without the Joker, without Raz al Ghul, without Scarecrow, there's no reason for Batman to exist, right? So writing-wise, it's always fun to write those characters because they're steering the ship. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, man, yeah. cool. Um, any last any last thoughts about RoboCop, directed by Paul Verhoeven, night uh, nineteen eighty seven? I'm gonna watch it again tonight. I'm gonna watch one and two tonight too. <laughs> I'm gonna watch one and two back to back. Because I, I, I we may have to do a RoboCop two review sometime down the pipe. Because I love Nuke and, and all that stupid oh. stuff that's in the sequel. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So I definitely want to thank you, Michael Prime, for being on this review episode. I had a blast. Yeah, you know, me too. We definitely have to do it again sometime. You let me know. You let me know. I'm all, you know, these aren't one shot deals, so you can all, you're more than welcome to come back. You just let me know what movie you want to do, and we can definitely run a review for it. Okay. Uh, absolutely. As always, you can find Masters of the Nerdiverse on Twitter. That is at MNerdiverse. That is at the letter M in Nerdiverse spelled out. And you can always find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Amazon Alexa. I'm your host, Mike G. And as always, I'm going to ask you to take that one step beyond. Robocop, who is he? Robocop, what is he? Robocop, where, 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 where does he come from? Robocop, who is he? Robocop, what is he? Robocop, where, 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 where does he come from? Robin. This guy's really good. This guy's really good. Robocop. Robocop. Stay alive, you are coming with me.
Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.